0: One, two, done. Ussery Network shows, that was from the Weirdy catalog. My longtime collaboration with Chris Bogan, a.k.a. Doc Booger, the song Driving Me Bananas now has a life as the theme song for this program. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode one of a new series for USRI Network premium subscribers, Home Known. Every month, we will be interviewing the rock stars of Mississippi And I use the term rock stars in the broad sense. I don't just mean musicians. I mean people notably doing everything they can to live the dream in our state of Mississippi. So that can be an athlete, an entrepreneur, any number of types. Or as is the case with my very first guest, it can be a painter slash improv performer slash actor slash film director. Glenn Payne is a name I've been seeing and hearing since I moved to the North Sip several years ago. I've had a few dealings with him. My kids, first of all, especially Padna, enjoy the hell out of the improv. I have to tell you, I am not typically a fan of improv. It makes me uncomfortable. It's too frequently awkward. I couldn't even watch that show Whose Line Is It Anyway when it was on. But there is some kind of magic with the polished performers in Tupelo's West of Shake Rag. They are top-notch. And I, like my babies, always have a good time at the shows. So I dealt with Glenn previously in that I booked Shake Rag to do commentary for Me TV shows in a series of promos when I was with WTVA. Also had him on as a guest once or twice for my web series there, Orange You Informed. But that show was never really intended to be much of a conversation. It was like, I gave people a news story to look over in advance, they'd show up and riff on it, do their bit and they're done. I thought Glenn would be a good guest for Home Known because frankly, I've thought he reminds me of a younger me in a lot of ways. Actually like me, but bizarro me. I was dead set for a long time on staying in the sip, so he has been, but he does improv, I did sketch comedy, He's very much a visual artist. I was always more of a writer. He's a good-looking guy. I look like Conor McGregor has an older brother who hasn't taken care of himself all that well. Anywho, Glenn Payne is still actively a triple threat, making movies, creating improv, and painting. And his new flick, called Driven, is being screened across the SIP right now. It's a comedy thriller featuring supernatural actor and filmmaker in his own right, Richard Spate Jr. As far as I know, he's not actually Supernatural. He's on the show, Supernatural. The next screening is in Tupelo at the Link Center, and I will link to all things Driven in the show notes for this episode. But right now, let's get to the
1: convo with Glenn Payne. You said the big premiere of Driven at the Oxford Film Festival, sold-out crowd, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Do you um, Do you get nervous before like finally unleashing a piece on an audience like that, or is it just a celebration? Um,
2: There's definitely some nerves involved. uh, I guess, especially the first time you show it, because you're waiting to see if people are going to laugh in the spots where they're supposed to laugh or jump where they're supposed to be scared.
1: Did that audience in Oxford give you any surprises at all in terms of their responses?
2: um they they hit all the notes that you we wanted them to hit but then sometimes you get these extras you weren't aware of a laugh of something um that that you didn't really expect to get a laugh uh but but hopefully in a good way um not like it was a serious moment and then they found it hysterical for the wrong reason <laughs> but uh but uh yeah sometimes you get surprised surprise little moments or someone might find something more startling than you than you expected and you're just like oh,
1: okay cool that's I'll take it, man. I'll take it. some nice little jumps out of the audience. that's fun yeah yeah we got
2: we got a few we got a few. and know things vary so much from one crowd to the next because you have know, a different group of people, and everybody reacts differently, uh so it's always fun to see how it changes
1: for a few minutes. I thought it was gonna be a stand up meeting, and the first show I ever did um, I had them rocking, killed it. I then did the same act. In front of a different crowd right. and i don't i don't know if there was one laugh like it was just brutal
2: yeah so yeah you never know man you just never know
1: you're an artist as in fine art mm-hmm. as in painting so what came first in your uh i guess first of all where are you from originally and what came first the uh the drawing and the sketching the painting or the desire to to make and and um and act in movies
2: um, it started. Um, I'm, I'm from Blue Springs, and um, I've always, I guess, sort of being an artist was in my blood. So when I was little, I was always drawing or coloring or something along those lines. And then I uh, went to school at Mississippi State for fine art uh, with an emphasis in painting. So I went through that whole process and uh, traveled around doing art shows after college around the country and was doing galleries all over the country and had. My own gallery for a while, and um, and then and and I got into film at the end of my collegiate career, and uh, I made this little really bad little short film for a final exam, (laughs) uh, film history class, and uh, got I really got hooked. So ever since then, I've just I've just been so addicted to it, which is a really weird film is a really weird thing to kind of get addicted to because really hard
1: <laughs>
2: but you yeah, but you always yeah. had that pull and that desire to make so um, and then so then my love of filmmaking uh, started and then it kept growing because it's just so many things and if you don't if you're, if you're an indie person an independent filmmaker you're going to have to do you know 90% of the jobs yourself otherwise you're not going to make any moves then you get that many more things that you have to try to learn how to do well and before, you know, it starts all these little tiny journeys as you try to figure out what in the heck you're doing.
1: Essentially, you fell in love with it there at the end of your Mm -hmm. college run. But, I mean, when you did that short, was it just sort of on a whim? Was it um, assigned to you? Like what?
2: We had the option. um, The the class was just sort of film general, sort of intro to film history, uh, which was pretty neat. And uh, as our exam, you you could... do a paper probably or something, or if you wanted, you had the option of of making some kind of really short film as your final. Um, So I decided to do that. And um, I was working at a pizza place at the time. So I made this movie. Before college, I would go, I'd go in super early and I'd make a lot of, a lot of dough and get the prep work done for the day for the food when no one else else was even there. And uh, so I made a little tiny little three or four minute film about that. Um, (laughs) Which, you know, I look back at now, it was just, you know, awful. I don't think anybody said a single word <laughs> in it. It was just, it's a weird little thing, but, but it got me started, you know, and it, it let me experience what it felt like to record something and then put it on a computer and edit it and be like, oh, I can, I can move things around. And, and that was just sort of the seed to starting a long process of learning different techniques and, uh, watching films and seeing how other people did executed certain things so so that got me into it and then from there it just sort of just slowly kind of started growing and then till one day it just sort of totally blew up and I was just making stuff
1: all the time. Your passion for it and I guess the amount of effort that you pour into it is it still sort of neck and neck with uh with the other artwork or does one surpass the other?
2: Uh, yeah that's a that's a good question um for me filmmaking um, definitely surpassed uh, fine art, which doesn't mean I don't love that, and, and it's, it's a part of me, and it always will be a part of me. I'm sitting in my studio right now surrounded by some you know, artwork, but um, I don't know. It's just something about movies and the moving image. I've always viewed it as this combination of all art forms put in one. It's like uh, photography mixed with Performance on stage and there's music and then dancing and it's like a painting that moves. So there's obviously imagery So it's like this combination of all these art forms together where these people come together as a team Um, And and then there's also just the fact that it it reaches such a massive audience or can it can't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, In ways that other things that you do may not have the ability uh, as far as the reach goes as far as painting so I still definitely Um, making drawings and paintings and and spending time in the studio. But uh, I use the two of them to kind of balance each other. And then improv is in there as well, something I do. So it's nice to kind of go from one to the other because they have similarities, but they're also very different. And it can kind of give you different things you need. Whereas like fine art is much more solitary. I'm just, you know, in the studio alone, working on a painting or drawing or whatever. And then on the film set, there's just tons of people everywhere and you're worried about getting stuff before the sun goes away and feeding everybody and all those things are much more chaotic. So it's kind of nice to go back and forth.
1: I always view uh, film, television, it's hard to argue with that being the superior kind of medium. Like we haven't, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing out there that um, that can compare to that. At the same time, as an artist, you have to, you know, it's the most collaborative. So it has mm-hmm. to be. So you get there's some, there's got to be some give and take there. So um, I guess, you know, when, you, um, when you're when you painting, and like you said, it's solitary versus when you're a, a movie, do you see one as um, indulgent versus the other? Like is one more self-indulgent? Are you constantly thinking of the audience um, when you do either?
2: I mean, if you do it long enough, you you start to realize the weight of that. It's like, do I want to, you know, do I want to make these paintings and look at them in my bedroom forever, or do I want to actually sell them, you know, or
1: mm-hmm. well, the same with
2: a movie. You know, do I want to just show my friends this movie that I made, or do I want people to to want to see it? Um, and it's a really fine line. for me, I guess it's the same kind of challenge with both. Now, you can decide up front, I'm going to make this, Movie or this sculpture or whatever, and I'm just going to do exactly what I want to do, and you know I'm, I just don't care, you know what what someone else thinks about it, and and both of those things, or or doing something that you kind of keep in mind what audiences like or what kind of paintings people typically do because it's the same thing. There's similar things in both. Um, so I think as long as you go into whatever project or piece, knowing what you need in in that moment. Um, you can kind of straddle that line, um, pretty well, but it's, but both of the, it's funny that they both have that same challenge because even with artwork, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're doing it as a perfection and you know, you're trying to pay your bills, selling artwork, which is just one of the hardest things in the world to do. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think about, well, if I do this thing, is that going to turn away lots of people that might buy it? Um. Versus doing something else with a certain color scheme or a certain subject or this or that, that they may be a little more receptive to. Um, so, yeah, you just have to kind of go into it knowing which one you're okay with.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that to me, I mean, that's that's the healthy kind of realistic mindset to have about it. How did your collaboration with, um, with Casey Dillard begin?
2: Um, it began, uh, through our improv group, West of shake rag? Um, there were tryouts long ago and we're coming up, we're getting close to our 10 year anniversary. Um, with, uh, doing improvised comedy in Tupelo uh, at the link center usually. But, uh, we met through that just random, you know, just two random people. And, um, as the group started to grow, you know, like we all became, you know, friends and she and I, I think I started, uh, Um, I did a a little film. It was actually a feature film, but that just means it was long enough to be called one pretty much. Um, (laughs) and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, St. Rag members were in it it as a comedy. And, uh, so that, I think that was the first time we actually worked together on a film. And, um, anyway, then we, we just thought we had similar interests, you know, we just kind of had a similar wavelength, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, things that we found interesting. And, um, We kind of grew from there and then we just started working on more and more things. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's just grown and grown and gone, uh, through improv and through, um, all the way to now with, with, with driven, which we co-produced together.
1: Has Shakerag? I I guess, while we're on that, um, topic, uh, has it always been that the the five of you guys? We actually
2: started, I, I forget the exact number. I think it was 14 people um in the very beginning yeah yeah (laughs) it was uh we were all very different we were all new to it i mean some of i did not at the beginning but some of the others had some experience a few um but even still that was we all grew so much um with each other in the group and we studied at second city in chicago we went up there as an apprentice team Mm -hmm. a long time ago and then other members you know for one reason or another started to kind of fall away, um, whether it just be new jobs or family commitments or whatever. And then it it got down to the five of us. Uh, it was uh, Casey, myself, Carlton, Kristen, and Marley. And uh, yeah, it's been the five of us now for a long, long time. kind of So uh, with What's with the Rag, that's definitely one of those things where like, holy cow, we've been doing this 10 years. That's, <laughs> I know how to process that.
1: What does what is doing improv do for you compared to the other stuff?
2: it's there's there's definitely although it's all made up on the spot for anyone that's not familiar with it you do these scenes that are all made up entirely on the spot nothing is written down or rehearsed before um and we often do them based on an audience suggestion and then we go from there so um for me there's definitely a level of acting now it's very different than acting and a good improviser may not be a good actor and a good actor may not be a good improviser. They're not like all inclusive with each other, but there's still an, an element of acting to it, performing mm-hmm. that helps kind of feed that part of my soul that loves acting. But improv itself, it's so nice. in the differences between it and filmmaking and even painting, but filmmaking, especially where you, work on the story for months or years or whatever, and then you get everything together and you have money or you don't have money and you spend all these months after you finish filming, putting it together. It's this long, slow marathon versus improv where we do that show that night. And that show is one of a kind and completely and utterly unique and will never be seen again. It's an intimate interaction with that audience because... Once again, it's not written down, so we don't do – it's not like a play that we do for four nights in a row or for weeks. Um, it's just that night. Everything that happens is spur of the moment. And if you work hard and you can kind of get on top of your game and you're, and you're you know, hopefully doing a, a good job with it, it can, be, it can be just such an amazing experience. It's really a beautiful thing when it works really well. And you can get the audience involved in there they're a part of it and it's like you were saying earlier that even you know at shows like you were talking about stand-up the improv shows there's different crowds and they all have a different sense of humor and some people may laugh loud and some people may not so I mean, mm-hmm. tonight it's a totally unique experience with a different a different tale um, so that, that freshness kind of keeps keeps you coming back I mean 10 years into it it, it can be hard sometimes to maintain the energy but we try to explore new uh, formats and new new ways of doing shows, new challenges for ourselves. We did a musical some months back where we had to, <laughs> we had to sing, and that was horrifying. You know, sometimes you got to make yourself a little uncomfortable and try to push the limits, and that helps. I think that helps to, to keep that freshness to it uh,
1: when when you you
2: not gotten bored, but you can do it so long it becomes so routine that you
1: have to kind of shake it up somehow. I know that the the main thing that would trouble me if I ever tried to do uh improv which I won't is um, <laughs> <laughs> is uh walking away after a performance and thinking of five things yeah. I could have said or done that would it would have been better. Do you ever uh, do you ever have that or do you have the the reverse where it's like I what I just did was gold and nobody <laughs> like we didn't shoot it it's not you know.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um you definitely walk away sometimes wishing you had done something different, but I think we we learned long ago that there's this a saying of, you know, leave everything out on the stage. So, you know, what you did in that moment where, well, you know, that was your decision. You, you go with it, you live with it, you, you be happy that you had a chance to make that choice. And then, uh, um, you know, then you forget it, you know, you try to forget it you just move on, you know? So, yeah. I think we've, we've all done pretty well to not dwell on it. But it's, it's usually it's a moment where we said something and we're like, man, it would have been way funnier if I if I, I wish I would have said this. But it's, but it's usually, there's not a lot of stress in it nowadays. I think we've kind of gotten used to yeah. it. And the opposite. That is something that's odd. But but, but I know that for us, even because we'll travel as a group to Chicago or maybe Atlanta coming up with a festival there for improv where We'll watch other groups and we'll kind of critique it and break it down and, and say, oh, this this thing works really well because of this or, or that. Um, and when we do, even our shows or other shows we watch, you kind of, years later, we still quote funny moments from shows that we really like <laughs> or poignant moments, you know. Uh, so uh, randomly, you know, seven years later, Casey or Marley, whoever may, may just drop this quote and you remember suddenly it's like they're transported back to Chicago on that cold night when that guy said that thing. Um, And uh, so in some ways they live on in this more intimate, private way. um, And that's kind of what you kind of have to hold on to because, like you said, I mean, they're not, those shows aren't, they aren't really documented. They don't really film very well if you try to film them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah, you just have to kind of embrace it. And, and try to use it as a as a sales pitch to get people to come watch <laughs> it. People always ask us, do you record them and put them online? And we're like, no, nah, we don't.
1: You gotta, nope, you got to show, show up. <laughs> yeah. How does being a Mississippian inform your work?
2: It, it definitely aids my work a lot in the sense that I'm able to do things film-wise as a director here that I couldn't do in other cities that are bigger because I've had to consider moving over the years, but I, I haven't. And I like I like the idea of trying to build something here, well, not just myself, there are others doing the same thing, but I like the idea of trying to help build something and bring things here. Um, and of course, you know, there's a uniqueness to our area in many areas, but this is this is our place, so there's there's a uniqueness here in the people and the cities and the way things are laid out They kind of give you different ideas for stories and things that you might not have if you weren't here, so there's a certain flair that comes from that that you can hopefully harness and put into whatever it is that you're working on but um no no it's it's there's a certain pride I think for artists working. In the south and in Mississippi and I I mention often to people how rich Mississippi is with its history of artists Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be you know actors and or writers um, musicians um, that our state is it's there's an abundance of talent like you know sort of like world-class superstar talent um, that tends to come out of this place and there's a certain pride in that, I think.
1: Do you still consider what what you mentioned? Like, okay, um, I'm going to, for whatever it is for a year, I'm going to pack up and I'm going to go to Los Angeles or Chicago or New York and, uh, and see what happens. Do you still consider that? Are you, are th- you feel good about where you are at this point?
2: There's definitely been various spots over the years. I know for myself, where you wonder if you're, I going to be able to do it from here like it's you know no matter how hard I try is it is it just not going to end up working like am I going to be forced to go and I feel like it's healthy to at least look into it at those points for me now I mean I feel good now where I am and our new film um, driven that you were talking about is sort of culmination of a lot of work over the years coming together Mm-hmm. So it's in some ways it's kind to kind of be the test of like, okay, we've done this thing. We're really proud of it people seem to be Relating to it really well and reacting really well so what's it going to do now because cause we're right in the process of getting a distributor and then having it released and how how big is it going to be or not be and How is that going to inform? what, what we do next, what I do next, you know? Um, so.
1: Is Richard Spates the, the kind of most high profile actor, uh, you've ever, um, gotten in one of your projects before?
2: Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, and, uh, Richard, for anyone who may not know, is, uh, he's a uh, wonderful person and, and great actor. And he's, uh, he's been on Supernatural as a, few different characters actually he's also directed a lot so he's done a lot of big stuff um and uh we got fortunate and met him at a festival over a couple years actually in oxford and um we kind of stayed in touch vaguely and then casey wrote this new script and i sent it to him and i was like hey you know we thought you might be perfect for this for this role um and anyway long story short he ended up agreeing to do it and we got everything worked out and, and uh, he was just just the perfect person to work with. Um, it's been great because his fans have sort of en- embraced our movie and um, it's been fun interacting with him because show, his show he's on Supernatural or he's been on it's just got such a huge following that um, that uh, we were able to kind of you know steal as many of his fans as we can pretty much. Yeah you know, hey so.
1: that's that's what you hope for.
2: <laughs> right. But, um, but He's been crazy supportive of it too so that's helped a lot.
1: You mentioned Casey uh, writing the script. Was that a, uh, was it like she just shows up and she has this script that's that's a complete thing or did you guys uh, collaborate on uh, premise and the kind of practicality of shooting it, the structure? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, the way it worked out was I, I I said at some point, I was like, I'm really interested in making a film where the entire thing takes place either in a car or right around the car. And like, mm-hmm. like the whole movie. Um and and, you know, people are like, oh, okay, that's a horrible idea. So I was like, cool. Um, so she and I had this friendly little competition we did where we both wrote like a one page synopsis for two different ideas. We looked at our own idea and uh to see to pitch to some friends and see which one they liked better. And um <laughs> you know, she won of course. Um which you still will hang over my head when we're telling people the story, but um, but, yeah, so we went from there, and then she, she worked on the story for quite a while, um, trying to get it just right. She's a very thorough writer, so she likes to go through it a lot. Um, yeah, and then she, she, she uh, just kind of presented the story, and we sort of went from there.
1: How would you uh, describe, for the uninitiated, kind of the um, uh, the premise and the tone of Driven?
2: Well, it's, um, we, we, labeled as a comedy thriller. That's how we pitch it. And the basic premise is that this, um uh, this driver of an Uber like company, um, uh, picks up a customer one night and is doing their normal routine. And then this mysterious figure that she, she picks up, uh, as they're going, going along the night, uh, crazy things start happening. And then they're suddenly off on this adventure for the rest of the night to, uh, to break this old curse together. So it's, it's sort of like a comedic adventure movie with thriller aspects, I guess. So um, it was very important for us that it would that be very fun and very energetic. Um, and uh, I like to think that the, those things came through, so hopefully people that watch it will will feel the same way.
1: It seems like you've moved uh, around a lot, been, like been pretty versatile with... Um personality in movies and subject matter, comedy, thriller. Is that, is that, do you see that as your thing? or Are you one of these filmmakers who, who likes to uh, kind of your plan is to always experiment with different ideas and genres?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely like to experiment with different things. Um, it's just sort of whatever presents itself or speaks to you kind of in, at that point. In your life wherever you are so something may just come you know this may be especially interesting for one reason or another so I try to not lock it in and say I can only do this or that I do tend to like um, thrillery or, or um, things uh, but but also I mean obviously with shake rag and improv I have a love of comedy and comedy is actually I would definitely say the hardest thing to do and pull off because everyone has a different sense of humor um, mm-hmm. People usually find scary things scary and sad things sad and uh, you know, along those lines. But everybody thinks different jokes are funny or not funny. So you've got to try to kind of reach more people than just a single single area with the type of comedy that you're doing. So um, I don't know. In the last few years, I've kind of drifted more towards embracing either comedy or comedic elements in the film, because it's just, I mean, laughter is such a great medicine, and I don't know, I, I, I just like making people feel a little bit better, you know, at whatever point in the day they watch, whatever it is. Hopefully they laugh, and hopefully, you know, they feel a little better than they did before they saw it.
1: So. Well, I agree with you. It's ge- it's generally the uh, uh, least respected of the popular genres and the most difficult to Execute Mm -hmm. like there's there's a um you know, everybody knows the distinct response you're supposed to have to a gag. Yep. Like to a joke. (laughs) You know? Yep. It's real obvious when they don't have it. What's the plan I guess? You know, you mentioned this is this particular movie in the long list of projects that you've done up to this point, um, is a big deal. I mean, obviously you made the damn thing so you've already achieved something fantastic um but what what is ultimately your goal with this movie what will make you really feel that it's been a success
2: um i think getting it out on a well the biggest scale possible i guess that can be a lot of different things because the movie business is changing so rapidly now but um having the movie available You know, whether it's through, you know, DVD and Blu-ray or or on top of that with the digital stuff, whether it's Amazon or Netflix or this or that. And, you know, we obviously love a big theatrical release. If somebody wants to do that, that would be amazing. We would take that. But as long as it gets to a very wide audience, um, that's my goal. You know, I want people to be able to see it and hopefully, you know, hopefully enjoy it. And now we just started the festival season and we just had our first screening, so that was our world premiere at the Oxford Film Festival, and then we have a Tupelo one coming up on March 15th that we have set up to have kind of a big celebration of the film with, with the town that helped us make it and all the people in the community around it. So, um,
1: yeah. Any idea what's next as far as movie projects?
2: Um, it's kind of hard to say at the moment, but we have uh and it's actually a Casey and I project we've definitely worked on together, uh show, a ghost hunting comedy called Stag Rassle Paranormal. Yeah. Um and you can actually see two episodes on Amazon Prime and Amazon. Yep. And that is a a dream project of ours and many people involved. And that's one of those things that we really want to make and have uh picked up by a big company and have made in Mississippi, like that it stays in Mississippi mm-hmm. um and doesn't doesn't get shipped over to you know uh Atlanta or l a or something like that so um we like it's something we started on years ago and and ideally if driven could have the success that we would love for it to have, then hopefully that'll open doors for that grouse. so which once again is a it's a show a series though so.
0: hey hope you enjoyed that, my friends, and again, you will find links a in the show notes they'll take you to all those things Glenn Payne. I did not make it to that Oxford premiere of Driven, so we'll absolutely be in attendance in Tupelo. I wish Glenn and his compatriots all the best, and we'll probably talk again sometime, I'd
1: imagine.
0: Next month on this show, a very different guest. We gonna change it up on you. Do the kids still say flip the script? Did they ever really say Thanks. I'll
1: talk to you soon.